All right, our message today, I want you to think about a word, one word, that may define Christmas for you. Besides Jesus, and besides the Christ, one word. (laughs) But that's probably the perfect word to use for Christmas. But we may think of peace, we may think of love, we may think of joy, we can think of salvation, we can think of Santa, presence, giving. And these are all great words that we should associate with Christmas. But the word I want to talk about today is hope. And the title of the message is The Hope of Christmas. Because that's what Christmas does bring to us and did bring to us over 2,000 years ago was hope. The news we have today is not very hopeful. It leaves us hopeless a lot of times. And over the past 20 or so years, We've seen tsunamis, hurricanes, wars, famines. Lately, the politics on the news all seem to leave us very hopeless and without hope. Uh, In the days of Christopher Columbus, we had to understand a lot of people thought the world was flat and that they would just drop off when they would get to the end. And a lot of people in life feel that way. They feel that life is, is hopeless and that life, at the end of it, they'll just drop off into oblivion and no longer exist. And some of them want to drop off now and life isn't even over for them. But there's a lot of people who are hopeless. And one of the major messages of Christmas is found in the hope of Jesus, in the hope of the Messiah that came. And if we turn to Luke uh, 2, verses 36 through 38, this will be our main text for, the, for this morning. We're going to talk about Anna who was a prophetess of God. And in verse 36, it says, Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayer, prayers night and day. And coming in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. So when she's coming in, we just seen Simeon, who had seen the Savior come in, and she's walking in and seeing Jesus at the same time, seeing the hope of Christmas. Now, Anna was a a lady up in her years. Uh, She was married, and now she is a widow uh, for quite a few years here. And the highlight of her life was to meet Jesus, was to meet the Savior. And she's getting to fulfill that highlight of her life as she's in the temple, being faithful to the Lord, and Jesus is brought in. And her hope for Christmas, which she didn't realize it was Christmas at the time, was right before her. So I want to handle this text today considering three things. Number one, I want to talk about the definition of hope. The world's definition of hope and what the Bible speaks about hope. They're two different things. I also want to consider where is the place of hope? Where, do we, where does this hope stand? And also I want to talk about the power of hope. Because there is definitely power in hope. So let us pray. Father, as we get into your word today, Lord, help us to understand your definition of the meaning of hope. Help us to understand what place it plays in our life and the power that it has and to realize that the hope you have is eternal, 
and that the hope that you have for us did come 2,000 years ago on Christmas morning, Father. So we thank you for this hope. We thank you for this message, Lord, and we pray that you would be over it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first thing I want to talk about is the definition of hope. Now, Webster's Dictionary gives us a worldly definition of hope. It's not necessarily a biblical definition. But it's important that we distinguish the difference between the two. Webster's definition gives us two, uh, Webster's Dictionary gives us two definitions of hope. And one of them is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. And the other one is desire accompanied by expectation. So we have desire and have feeling that we're going to talk about in the worldly sense of hope. So these two words, and we're going to start with the word feeling. If I base, on, if I base hope on my feelings, I'm subject to disappointment. Because our feelings can often bring disappointment into our lives. And we get tons of feelings in our lives. And some are good and some are bad. And we, we can't live our life off of just the way we feel or the feelings that come to us. So some examples of a feeling having kind of a shallow meaning for hope would be, let's say a girl has a boyfriend and she says, I'm hoping my boyfriend will buy me a diamond ring for Christmas or fill in the blank, buy me a purse, buy me some shoes, whatever. Does the feeling bring about hope? Is, is her hoping that that diamond ring is going to come? Is she really going to get that diamond ring? It can often lead to disappointment. So our feelings don't help us with hope. Let's look at another one. If a man says, I hope my football team has a good year, will that bring about a good football team? I'm going to tell you no, because I had hopes for the Oakland Raiders having a good football season this year. And they disappointed me greatly. So no, hoping that our football teams are going to have a great year doesn't bring about a good team. So we can say here that we can, so we can say hope, hoping in things does not bring them about. So these feelings we have does not help. Now let's look at another desire accompanied by expectation. So we all desire something in life. From the smallest to the bigger things, we all have some type of desire in our life. But even that does not bring about the hope that we're going to talk about. It cannot bring about hope. We can desire things. So here's a couple of examples. If a girl says, I hope he will ask me out on a date, does that guarantee that date for that girl? No, it doesn't. She has a desire for it, but it doesn't guarantee her that date. Uh, maybe it says, if I hope my grandfather will recover from cancer, does that guarantee that that grandfather is going to recover? Sadly, no, it doesn't. So if a person is hoping for a job, does that guarantee that person that job? It doesn't guarantee him that job. Just because we desire anything does not mean that we will receive it. Because there's no promise for it there. But then there's the Bible's definition of hope. And obviously the Bible doesn't have a definition written out in the book that we hold before us about what hope really is. But I can kind of give you an example of what hope is. And hope is an expectation based on the promises of God. That's something you can have hope in. Our feelings are going to fail us and our desires are going to fail us, but the promises of God are not based on our feelings. They're not based on our desires. They're not based on positive thoughts. 
but they're based on the promises of God. Someone said that you cannot break or hurt the promises of God if you lean on it. You can't. You can lean on God's promises all day, and they will never fail you. They will never fail you. We have a book full of God's promises that have come true and that we can, we can take it to the bank on. God wants us to lean on his promises because his word is full of promises. There's an old gospel song called Standing on the Promises. And part of that, amen, and part of that song states, Standing on the promises that cannot fail, though the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. The hope that God brings us through his promises is enduring. Our feelings and our desires are going to fail us at some point in our life, but his hope will endure forever. His hope cannot be frustrated. Our feelings and our desires can often frustrate us, especially when our desires don't come to, come to pass or our feelings fail us in some sense. God's hope will never end. Our feelings and our desires have expiration dates on it, but God's hope is inter- eternal. God's hope will last forever because his promises last forever. We can learn this by observing Anna's life. Even though she's just briefly mentioned in these three scriptures here in the, in the gospel of Luke, we can definitely learn from her that her hope was anchored in the promises of God. It wasn't on the things of, of man. It wasn't on our, the feelings and desires that, that we have as humans come up with, but her hope was anchored in the promises of God. And in Hebrews 6, if y'all want to turn there real quick, Hebrews 6, verses 19 and 20, it reads, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The hope that we have should be our anchor for our soul. Both sure and steadfast in which enters the presence behind the veil. Going before God. Where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus. Having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The hope we have is Jesus who goes before us before the Lord. And has become our high priest. And that hope in Jesus is what should anchor us and keep us firm and steadfast. We know, we know that life gives us storms and it gives us trials and gives us tribulations. But if we're anchored in, just like a ship that's being tossed back and forth on the sea, that ship's not going to move if it's anchored in tightly. So if our hope is in Jesus, we should be anchored in tightly to these promises that God has presented to us. And that anchor was used... In Roman times, when the Christians were running from persecution, they would go in and they discovered that a lot of these catacombs that were in, in Rome, that these uh, Christians would go into, the one symbol that they would see all the time was the anchor. Because that anchor represented stability. It anchored firmness. That no matter how much persecution they would get, no matter how much, how much trouble they would get from the Romans and also from the Jews, they were going to stay steadfast in the hope that they had in Jesus. They weren't going to move. And let me tell you something. This word that we have here before us, this word of God is our anchor. This whole word is, is what we need to stand firm on because it doesn't change. It's sure. 
is something we, we, can, we can take to the bank on. We can put all our bets right here on this word that is going to keep us together and that Jesus is going to carry us through just like he said he would. Amen. So I asked tonight, well, not tonight, this morning, so used to Wednesdays. Uh, where is your hope? Where do you place your hope? Are you placing it on the paycheck you take home every week? Are you placing it on your insurance, health insurance? Are you placing it on a job? Are you placing your hope in somebody else? Or are you placing this hope? Are you anchoring that hope on the promises of God? That's where we need to have it. And that's what he sent to us 2,000 years ago as a little baby. Is that hope that we need to hold on to. Remember, hope is an expectation based on the promises of God, which are unbreakable. Not our feelings, not our desires. Biblical hope is anchored in God's promises. So just remember that. That's what biblical hope is. It is something that is anchored in God's promises. So now we're going to look at the second thing we're going to talk about, and that is the place of hope. And hope, hope is not found in our religious practices. I'm happy all of us come here on a Sunday morning to hear the word of God. And maybe on Wednesday morning, and maybe we listen to it in our truck and we read our word. That's exactly what we need to do. And Anna, the prophetess, you got to think about her. It said that she was a prophetess for the Lord. She stayed in the temple and prophesied and she prayed and she fasted to the Lord. She did all these wonderful things serving in the Lord. And those are things we need to do. But we have to realize just those actions does not bring hope. So even merely going to church does not bring hope. Merely going, uh, quoting some simplistic prayer does not bring hope. And don't, give, don't get me wrong, it feels good coming here into the house of the Lord every, every week and to get recharged and get ready for the week. But even those actions does not bring about the hope that we're talking about here for Christmas. Hope is not to be found in relationships with any other person. People will fail you. Anna had a husband. She had been a widow for a long time. She never placed her hope in her husband. Wives love your husband. Husbands love your wives. Absolutely. But we can't place our hope in our spouse or any other relationship. We need to just place our hope in Christ that has come for us. People will fail you, but let me tell you, God's promises never will fail us. And the the scripture is clear on that. Anna could have been real, real bitter, had a real bitter heart because of her husband dying. But she chose to change that tragedy into hope and hope into Christ, hope in Christ. As she longed for the Savior to come, as she looked forward to the coming Messiah, like many of the Old Testament saints have done. He wasn't here yet, but they hung their hope on him that he was coming one day to deliver him. Because in verse 38, which we'll revisit later, it says, for all those who have looked for redemption in Jerusalem. They were looking for that hope of redemption. Because these people were being persecuted by the Romans. And they were looking for a deliverer to come. And Jesus was to be that deliverer. Hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we've said that already. That that is our hope. And why is Jesus the fulfillment of hope? He is the fulfillment of God's promises. All these promises that God has in this book all narrows back down and bottlenecks to Jesus. That's where it goes to. It goes right back to him. Matter of fact, history is formed around Jesus. We have B.C. and A.D. That's all divided by Christ and what he did on the cross for us when he came. So even the world is, is seeing that it is Jesus who is our hope. 
You can understand the fulfillment of God's promises by understanding Jesus' fulfillment of the Old Testament. And Lee Strobel, in his case uh, for Christmas, his book, Case for Christmas, points out the reliability of the promises that were fulfilled by Jesus in the Old Testament. There was a mathematician that he had spoke to, his name was Peter Stoner, who said that just 48 of the Old Testament prophecies uh, was one chance in 13 trillion to be fulfilled. That's trillion with a T. So out of those 48, just one, the, the odds, come on, the, these things happen. These prophecies really did come true. These promises that God has given really came true. And with Jesus was also the proof that God's plans cannot be frustrated. How many know that Satan was trying to frustrate the plans of God? From Jesus' coming to well, you can even go as far back as the Old Testament when he tried to destroy the bloodline of Jesus through David's bloodline. He would try and cut off kings left and right for Jesus wouldn't come forth. And when Jesus finally did come forth and was born, even then he had a king, Herod, who was trying to cut down all the children two years old and younger to try and get rid of Jesus and flush him out. But Satan's plans weren't going to work because the promises of God do not get frustrated. Even when he died on the cross for us, Satan probably said, I got him now. Jesus is dead. But what did he do three days later? He rose from the dead for us, right? To forgive us of our sins. Amen. So God's, God's plans cannot be frustrated. The Christmas carol, Old Little Town of Bethlehem, states Jesus' perfect in graphic terms, which all can be understood. The later part of the verse 1 states, Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met indeed tonight. Jesus is that light that is shining in these dark streets. These dark times that we're living in, he is still that light of hope for us. When Jesus was born, he became hope. And Paul and Peter shared several verses that describe the hope of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. In 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope that is alive, that we are going to be resurrected with him one day because he was resurrected for us. Second Thessalonians two sixteen and 17 says, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your heart and establish you in every good word and work. Good hope by grace. We are saved by grace. His grace through our faith in Jesus. Then the Bible also explains that those without Christ have no eternal hope. If you're here today without Christ, there is no hope of eternity for you, not in a good sense. Life is hopeless without Christ. And in Ephesians 2.12, it says, At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. To not have God is to have no hope. And there's plenty of people in this world that we're living in that swear up and down they have hope, but they don't have Christ. 
They don't understand what true hope is. To not have God is to have no hope. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So just like those who live without Christ have no hope, those who die without Christ have no hope. And it's too late for them. They need to grasp onto the hope that is here for us in this season. The hope of Christmas, they need to grasp to that now. Our hope is to be placed in God's promises, and God's promises point straight to Jesus. And the third thing we're going to talk about is the power of hope. And in verse 38, back in Luke, it says, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. As she walked into the temple, she seen the hope that she had been waiting for all these years. She had read through the Old Testament prophets, and she seen the promises, and she knew the Messiah was coming. And that very day, she was able to witness the Messiah in her own presence. The hope that she had been longing for had finally come to reality. Hope, hope does not disappear, and Anna knew this. Time is not a switch that dims the brightness of hope. No matter how young you are, how old you are, hope is continuous. Hope is constant. The same hope we had when we were first saved will be the same hope we have when we go into eternity. It doesn't change. Hope helps us to look beyond our present difficulties. Here in our text, we see, Anna, that she could have become very bitter. She could have, she could have just walked away from the Lord, from the hardships in her life, but she held on to that hope. And she knew that the hope she had was beyond her circumstances she was in at the moment. Now, many of y'all are probably familiar with Anne Frank. Anne, Anne was a Jewish girl uh, during the Holocaust, and the uh, Germans are after her and her family. And it was pretty tense for her. You can imagine being, being tracked down just because of your nationality and who you were. And these, these Germans coming after you, wanting to, to kill you, for who you were, but her father says at the end of her story, says, for days we have lived in fear, but now we live in hope. We no longer need to live in fear. We should not fear man or what man can do to us because of the hope we have in Christ and what was accomplished on the cross. We should no longer live in fear. Because, listen, when we, when we die and we go to the next life, we continue to live we're not going to suffer for eternity, but we're going to celebrate with Christ for eternity. And that's the hope we have. In the place where I work, there's a lot of people who are hopeless. There's a lot of people who are, are down and out, and they have no hope. Then there are those people who all they have is hope. Because life has beat them up all around, but they still have this hope that is in Christ. And over my years, I've observed people who have lost spouses, children, family members, loved ones, friends jobs, money, they've lost it all, but for some reason, they still have that hope. You can still see that light shining in them, no matter how bad life got, is because they keep their hope in the promises of God. And they keep their hope in Christ. God's hope never disappears. God's hope does not even disappoint. There are many disappointments in our life, but God's hope is not disappointing. Let's turn to Romans 5, verses 5 through 8. 
We're going to talk about how hope does not disappoint. Verses 5 through 8. And it reads, it says, Now hope does not disappoint. And it tells us why it doesn't disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given who has given to us, who he has given to us. So the love of God is poured out in us. If you do not know Christ and you do not love, know God, you do not have the love of Christ poured out in you, no matter how much you lie to yourself. But if you are born again and you have had Christ as your Savior, God says here that he will pour out into our hearts the love of God by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. The Holy Spirit confirms that hope that we look for. It confirms our salvation. In verse 6, it goes on and says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That ungodly, that's me and you, who was in need of a Savior that couldn't do it in our own strength. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the hope we have, that we were down in the mud and we were sinners and we were, and we were not living a life worthy of God. Christ still chose to die for us. He loved us that much. And that's the hope we have in Christ, because he loved us. He loved me. He loved each and every one of you there in the audience, and he loves us. And he wants us to have that hope, to live with that hope day in and day out. This is the hope we have. The word to a song called, he did not bring us this far to leave us, states this well. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He did not build his home in us to move away. He did not lift us up to let us down. Our Lord didn't save us to fail us. He didn't promise us paradise just to let us have hell. He has a hope. We have a hope and a future in him. He keeps his promises, and that's why we can hang our hope on those promises of God, because he is a true promise keeper. And hope gives us a reason to live. We talked about this earlier about those who all they have in their life is hope. They have nothing else, but that hope keeps them hanging on, keeps them moving on. And Anna knew this well. She could have gotten real bitter. She could have gotten upset that her husband had died and she had to leave all these years without him. No, Lord, why did you take my husband away at such a young age? And I've had to live this life without my husband for so long. And every one of us could fill in a blank of a story of why, you know, things that we feel like, why, God, did you do this? But Anna held on to that hope that she had read about. She held on to the promises that God had already given to her. And this hope motivates us to keep going. Without hope, we will give up. And Anna knew that well. So she held on to the hope. And I want to tell a quick story about two characters named Lucy and Linus from Charlie Brown to kind of illustrate this. The illustration starts out in the cartoon. Lucy and Linus were sitting in front of a television set while Lucy, uh, then Lucy said to Linus, 
Go get me a glass of water. And Linus said to her, why should I go get you a glass of water? You have done nothing for me. And then Lucy said, on your 75th birthday, I will bake you a cake. Linus got up, headed to the kitchen and said, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. Amen. And it's funny, but let's, let's, <laughs> our hope in Christ does give us something to look forward to. Eternity with him gives us something to look forward to. We may lose all kind of earthly possessions, all kind of earthly things, but when you have something eternal to look forward to, it kind of makes life a little bit better and a little bit sweeter. And it helps you to live and to get through those tough times. Because eternity is just a blink away. Now, there's a sad story, leaving Lucy and uh, Linus. In Luke 24, where we see there's two followers of Jesus traveling to Jerusalem, uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Uh, they had been in Jerusalem during Jesus' crucifixion, and they'd seen all of this take place. And as they journeyed, Jesus joined them, but they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And they had these sad, somber looks on their face. And Jesus recognized that, and they answered, and he asked them the question, you know, why are y'all so sad? And they said, we had hoped that Jesus was the one. They had hope. Past tense. That means they have no more hope. And that Jesus would bring hope into their lives. However, he died and Jesus revealed his identity to them at this point. And the two travelers that were before him went from sad to overjoyed knowing that Jesus had risen from the dead. And now they had something to look forward to. They knew the tomb was now empty, and they had a new spring in their step. They had the hope that Christ brings. And when you discover Jesus, truly discover Jesus, and make him your hope, you'll have a new step in your, new spring in your step as well. Because that's what Jesus does. He changes your life. He brings light and joy into your life in this dark world. And Christmas is all about hope. And for so many, they don't hear about that hope that Christmas brings. For a lot, a lot of people, Christmas is a depressing and dark time, but if they only knew about the Savior that brings hope. And in our text today, we see Anna could have lost all hope when her husband died, but, her, but the hope, her hope was not in her husband. Anna's hope lied in the one that was to come, a promise from God. She knew it was going to come to pass because she knew the promises of God. Jesus is the promise of hope. Jesus is the hope of Christmas, the hope which is our anchor. And we need that to be our anchor in our life. We need to be anchored in Christ. We need to be anchored in the hope that he brings. So when that tough times comes, we do not get blown away. Do you have hope right now? I hope you do. I hope you have hope. And what if you were to pass from this life to the next? Are you ensured that you, that hope that you have is true? Are you going to spend eternity with Christ? Because that's what he promises you if, you if you believe in his son. He promises to forgive you of your sins and to take you into eternity with him. 
Are you sure of that? Are you sure if you were to die right now when you walked out this building that eternity with Christ is where you would be? And you can know this by accepting Christ. Christ came to bring peace for us. Our hope came to bring peace between us and God. Because if you don't have them, if you don't have that peace between you and God, if you don't have Christ, then you're at odds with God. You're playing for the other team. And that's not a good place you want to be. So if you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace. But if you know Jesus, you'll know peace, and you will receive the hope of Christmas. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for that hope that you gave us over 2,000 years ago and the promises leading up to the hope that we have in Christ. And I pray for each one here that they will experience the hope of Christ, Father, and that they would experience the love that you have for them, Lord, and that they would be able to share that light of hope with all those who are with them in this dark world, and that they be ambassadors and go out and share your love, Father. We give you all glory, we give you honor, and all praise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.